2: Hi everyone and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Lee Bracken. Today we're going to talk about something very close to my heart and that is writing. So if you've ever dreamed of writing a best-selling novel, a play, poetry, the next award-winning screenplay or Netflix series or If you just want to write a beautiful memoir or be able to express yourself in a journal, we really have the perfect guest for you today. And that's Chris K. Fraser. Chris is the founder and one of the writing coaches at Firefly Creative Writing and she is on the program today to talk about the incredible courses and workshops, retreats and online offerings which help both professional writers and beginners alike with everything from getting unstuck to writing prompts and much more. Also on the program we have the co-author of Get Up Sharon Nice Arbus, who along with David Newton wrote the book, Get Up, and it's a collection of short stories and emotional lessons, functional exercises, and mentor memos to help us all get up and thrive. She will also talk about her first book, Me and My So-Called Friends, but first let me tell you a little bit more about Chris K. Fraser. So, Chris is a writing coach and founder of Firefly Creative Writing, which is a small business whose mission is to help people reconnect to the joy and the power of writing. She holds a BA in history and an M.Ed in adult education and community development. She has devoted her life to walking with others to the authentic, raw, and delightful places that words can reach. She lives in Toronto with her partner Ian, her dog Marshall, and many books. And a little more about Firefly, it is a small but mighty team of writing coaches and support staff. They're based in Toronto, but they are available internationally to help writers melt their blocks, understand their unique, perfect processes, and pull their dreams down onto the page. Chris, so delighted to have you here. Welcome to Finding Your Bliss.
0: Thank you, Judy. That is such a beautiful introduction. Thank you so much for inviting me on and for saying all those wonderful things.
2: I'm all aglow and ready to go. I'm so happy. Well, it's all so true. And I have to just let our listeners know that I took some writing workshops at Firefly Creative Writing a couple of years back when I was quite honestly, feeling pretty rusty as a writer. And I began taking workshops at Firefly just sort of helped me become a little more confident with my writing, which really blossomed into me writing these bliss minutes on Instagram, as you all know, at the bliss minute is my page, which basically uh, metamorphosized if that's the right word into an online magazine findingyourbliss.com and ultimately to creating this show Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio. So Chris, I really have to thank you and your team because this really honestly all began when I started taking writing classes that I absolutely loved with you guys all at Firefly. So thank you.
0: That's such a phenomenal story, Judy. Thank you. It feels like we get to witness so many acorns going into the ground at Firefly and then sometimes we're like, oh, that's the oak tree that grew out of it. And here we are at the oak tree today. I'm really grateful for that.
2: Thank you so much. I know that Firefly creative writing was your brainchild. Can you tell us what inspired you to create Firefly and really how it all evolved and came to be?
0: Mm, Yes, I would love to. The creation story. There's a lot of ways to to trace back where this all began. But I think that high school English class is a good place to start. I was one of those kids that always wanted to be writing, to be taking pictures, to be drawing, all of this creative stuff. But there was a certain tension that I didn't know how to articulate, but I could feel learning about creativity in school in what I now call a a culture of evaluation. So the idea of creativity, I believe, is to... To feel that safety and that energy of the connection between what's inside of us and what's outside, to believe in our voices, to figure out what is mine to say, what is mine to give to this world and to do it, to find the courage to get, as you said, melt our blocks so beautifully earlier, to melt the blocks to create what we want to create. And yet, when we do that in that environment of school, we then hand it in to an authority figure who tells us if we did it right or wrong, or better than the person beside us, or worse than the person on the other side, and then sends this horrible piece of paper home to our parents that, I don't know about you, but I never <laughs> wanted to share them <laughs> um, with our worth, you know? and. I stayed in that world, like I did a lot of education and continuing education because that was the place that I knew I could access these you know, systems, photography classes, and writing classes and writing contests and all these things. And then it changed drastically when I was about 22. I went to this little hippie film school on one of the Gulf Islands off the coast of, of Vancouver, um, off the coast of B.C. And it was an old logging camp that this man had turned into a film school. And the sort of wild claim that he had was that anyone could show up on Monday knowing nothing about filmmaking. And by Friday they would have a completed film and we would have a film festival Friday night with all of our films and that system was so completely different than anything I'd ever experienced. We were working in teams, so there was no competition. We were thrown in with people we'd never met and had to figure out how to use all this equipment and make roles and think of an idea for a film and shoot it and learn how to edit and edit it. This massive task that we had to do with strangers, so it forced us into collaboration. Uh, There was no competition because there was no better or worse at the end of the day. We all just wanted to make something to delight Mm. each other with. There was this huge, almost impossible goal that brought us to our edge where we could see each other more clearly, Mm. see ourselves more clearly. And we were in the middle of an old growth forest. So you know you look out the window and there would be an old growth tree there. It was just the most beautiful place in the world. And that environment like that, the way that that changed who I was as a creator, as a person with a voice, as a, as a sense, my sense of what's possible in the world, that was the ground that then many years later became Firefly Creative Writing.
2: But what you're describing just sounds like a utopian uh, place that is what, what a wonderful place to teach us that you don't want to have to feel you're being judged and to feel that. And, and I, Exactly. It's so important. And, and I remember, Chris, when I first came to one of the writing classes, and I know a lot of them are online now, which is so wonderful in larger groups and smaller groups, which you're going to talk about later, but it felt very safe. I remember that. And you created Mm -hmm. certain Mm -hmm. things to create that safety, to make that place feel safe. And, Mm -hmm. and I remember, uh, I felt my guard coming down and you do something in the workshops where you help ensure that people are not going to feel judged Mm. and you even have a list of words and phrases that you can say when you're looking at other people's writing can you just give us a little bit of an indication of how it feels like you're not being evaluated but you're being deeply acknowledged and it's landing in Mm. a deep place
0: Thank you deeply acknowledged is such a nice way of putting it I hadn't actually used those words before but I do think that such a huge gift that we can give each other as creators is simply that is the deep acknowledgement that my voice is different than your voice and my gifts are different than your gifts and the, the stories that I want I need to tell are the differences than the stories you want I need to tell but there's no need to compete or try to do it better we can actually just hold each other in the fear of creation in the joy of creation in the rush of creation and feed each other. And what I find over and over is that when we give people the tool to support each other, just a little bit of framework. And I can say more about how we actually do that if you want me to get practical, but just that act of saying, how about when, when we read a piece, especially if we read a piece that's fresh, we just wrote it, we pick up our page, we read it out. We only talk about what we love and we give people tools and language to talk about what do they love in each other's piece. And with just that little bit of structure, We're in a completely different place, like people arrive thinking they have to do it better than anyone or feeling those like wounds of the teacher that said they weren't good enough or the contest that they didn't win or the like, you know, sibling who read their journal and made them feel unsafe to express their feelings. Like we all carry these creative wounds with us and just that little bit of framing and structure and facilitation can melt that away so quickly. So that suddenly our project as a group, like all of us, our project is to help each other to bring what's inside outside. And that is, I mean, that's where I want to spend my life. You
2: know, <laughs> like that, was,
0: that was what I felt at that film school. I remember taking the ferry home and thinking, I'm going to get off this ferry and be a different person than I was when I left the mainland last week. And that's the feeling that I'm trying to keep creating and recreating for people that arrive in our workshops.
2: The other thing that's so cool about what you're saying, and I remember this, uh, that you've sort of jogged my memory, is that there's also power in the group. So sometimes someone that you never would expect will say something and will add something. And that often, I'm a life coach, so that will happen in a mastermind class or in a group coaching session where you might ask a question, like, I don't know how to deal with this. And you might get an answer from someone that just is so out there that you never would have thought of before. And just go, wow, that just did it. So it's it's not only the coach who's leading the class, but it's the group itself that can be so helpful in in the in the writing process.
0: Yeah, exactly, 100%. I think the more that we can co-create the experience so that everyone in the room is holding a piece of it and is bringing themselves to this project of creating a, a foundation of belonging and safety and ease for each other, the further that we can go together. It's never about the teacher at the front of the room telling everyone what to do because no one knows how to be creative, I can't possibly tell someone else how they should or shouldn't tell their life story. But I can hold a space where they can realize what they already know, where they can start (laughs) experimenting with trusting other people, where they can start experimenting with trusting themselves. And it's, it's almost endless what can happen when, when that environment is there.
2: I remember you had these delicious writing prompts that were on little pieces of paper, like fortune, like the little papers inside a fortune cookie in a pretty little bowl. And and I mean, online, I know you do this in other ways, but can you tell us a little bit about the writing prompts? Because they would be hugely helpful when you were feeling stuck or you'd be walking into class thinking, I'm, I'm not ready. I, I feel so stuck. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then you'd have this writing prompt and away you would go.
0: Yeah, I, first of all, really miss paper and bowls. Just hearing you tell that story, I think, oh, it's been so long since I've been around a real table with people with paper prompts passing around, you know, the cookies. And so thank you for bringing that in today. I can feel the the joy of that. But yeah, I think that so much of the block that we all feel when it comes to creation is that the options are endless. The stories that we want to tell are usually endless, and the ways we could tell it are endless. And sometimes we just need that first few steps written out for us, You know, like, I'm just going to start with this picture, or I'm going to start with this metaphor, or I'm going to start with this sound in my ear and these words. And just getting people into the field, they know what to do when they get there. So we do one program, for example, now since we got moved to Zoom called Morning Coffee Sessions, I had no idea if this would work when we started, but I thought, okay, here we are in this pandemic. We're all separated. I'm just gonna try this thing where I go on Zoom every morning at 9 a.m. and just give a prompt. Everyone else is on mute but me. I'm just gonna welcome everybody then give them a writing prompt, sit for 20 minutes quietly, tell them when to wrap up and then just read them a poem to say goodbye. I thought, I don't know if this is a complete waste of time, if there's going to be any value to it. And I think 150 people signed up that first week. I couldn't believe it. I, I remember looking at the numbers on Zoom and thinking there was a technical error. Um, but it's now one of my absolute favorite offerings at Firefly. A different one of us does it every week. So we each take one day a week. We show up 9 a.m., We give the prompt, we write together, we read a poem at the end. I always try to show up when my colleagues are giving the prompt so I can do the writing too. So yes, I think that there is something incredibly liberating about just being told where to go at the beginning and then being trusted from there.
2: Lovely, that's so lovely. It it sounds so good, it makes me want to do it too. I want to ask you, Chris, what advice you have for aspiring writers that are just a little bit afraid that might be listening and going, Mm. gosh, this sounds so good and so tempting, but feel vulnerable and are afraid to put their words out there. What advice do you have for those people?
0: Oh, my goodness. I love talking to those people because that's all of us. (laughs) I think when it comes to creativity, there's always fear. We're standing on the edge of what hasn't been said, and that's a primordially scary place to be and... incredibly beautiful life-giving place to be so if anyone is listening and thinking I would love to try that I would love to find my voice but it just makes me so nervous I would say welcome especially we are all <laughs> nervous your facilitator will be nervous your classmates will be nervous we will talk about nervousness we often talk about how the act of writing and especially of doing it with a new group of people you've never met can grow this like garden of insecurities around us and that that is completely normal especially in the first class or two, we will be standing in the Garden of Insecurities. And yet we will try to resist rolling around or making flower crowns or believing <laughs> <laughs> picking bouquets and looking at them. Just know it's there. It's completely normal. But our job as creators is to stand at the center of our own work and to just keep taking one step after another from there. And it doesn't matter if we're nervous. We can keep moving anyway.
2: I want to just tell the listeners, because you have a veritable cornucopia of of choices. Like there's like, I think 50 different workshops and we're not going to go through all of them, of course, but what would you say are maybe the top six mm. most popular from beginner to professional writers? Cause you have something for everyone. It's so cool.
0: Mm, thank you. Um, well, I think for beginners, we started a new class when we moved into our studio in the Danforth called Begin Here. Cause originally people were finding us when they were Googling creative writing workshop, they knew they wanted something like this. But when we became more public and more visible, we were suddenly finding all these people that had never thought about taking a writing workshop, had no idea where to begin, wanted something really clearly for beginners. So that is the first step for people that want that small group experience. They want to read. They want to be heard. They want to be part of a group, but they're terrified. Begin here. There's no homework. Short sessions. We only meet five times. It's all absolutely based on, I have no idea what to do, and I don't even know what I'm doing here. Uh-huh. Um, then. There's a few other classes, uh, Keep Your Pen Moving, and the Life Stories Workshop that work for beginners, but then we get into the genre classes where the the writing is about a specific type of writing. Uh, There's a class for speculative fiction. There's a class for short fiction. There's a class for memoir. um, There's a novel writing class that we just started this fall that we're really excited about for people that want to get started on novel writing. Hmm. And then we have a bunch of classes that are for people who are working on big projects. So I'm halfway through my memoir and I'm stuck or I have this idea for a short story collection, but I haven't gotten past the first one. People that have a lot of momentum and vision, but need the accountability, community, process, deadlines, encouragement. Um, so we have a class called Rising Tides, one called Deeper Waters and one called The Big One. That's our big that's nine months long. Um, for people that are really right in the middle of something and know where they want to go but need help to get there.
2: You have a beautiful BIPOC class. You have classes for new mothers, older mothers. Mm. You've said that you identify as queer and you're especially passionate about making space for stories from the LGBTQIA plus identities that so often go unrecorded and uncelebrated. And this is quite common in the arts. How do you think we can record and celebrate and encourage people to share their stories?
0: Well, I think it's important that you're pointing out the classes that we have for people in particular kind of who identify with particular identities, especially the BIPOC classes. We have three writing coaches who identify as BIPOC who have done such beautiful work. Kim, Asifa, and Mary, thank you if you're listening. Such beautiful work to create programming that's separate from the rest of our programming that's created by and for people who identify as racialized. And of course, I've never taken those programs, which actually makes me really thrilled that there's things at Firefly that are, you know, not for me, that it's it's grown beyond what my original vision was. But what I hear from those programming, the kind of safety in the room when everybody is gathering around a certain identity that is not usually the majority Mm -hmm. is just amazing. I think it's so important for us to have places to connect to people who share parts of our identity where the parts that are pushed down in certain circles that may be marginalized, that may be harder to express Mm -hmm. can, can fully come out.
2: You know what also sounded so enticing when you talked to me about this in the green room before the show, the virtual green room, was um, when you talked about the smaller workshops online, because we've just talked about some of the huge workshops where you have 150 people. That sounds so cool as well. But the smaller workshops of, let's say, seven people. Can you just paint us a picture of what happens you come into that online class, and what happens? Just obviously, you have to experience it to really understand. But just sort of in a in a brief description.
0: Yeah, definitely. We encourage people to create some kind of sense of transition, closing the day, saying goodbye to whoever's around them if they live with other people, closing the door, turning off their phone. And then when we gather, the first class is really focused on creating connection and safety and belonging is what we're ultimately (laughs) trying to create in those moments. So talking through ground rules, really taking the time to hear what each person in the room needs in order to feel safe, whether that's I can't actually sit for two hours, so you know, I, I need you to be okay if I get up and walk around in the middle of class or, or whether that's, there's a certain topic that I'm going to need a, a content warning. If you're going to write about this certain thing, cause it's really hard for me to hear stories about that. We really slow down and co-create the space mm-hmm. with everybody. And then we just get started. We start using prompts. Like you were saying, we usually start with memories. Cause that's often one of the easiest things for people to access. We give participants a lot of choice. Like let's, List all of the sunsets you can think of, list all of the, the <laughs> animals you've loved, you know, list all of the, all of the kitchens that you've cooked in, you know, that you could think of in one minute and then That's choose fun. one of them that you want to write about. Oh my gosh. It is fun. I've done it a thousand <laughs> times and it's still fun. There's still a kitchen story every time.
2: <laughs> That's so great. I just remember it being very always emotional. You'd be crying one minute, laughing the next minute. It was just absolutely wonderful. What has the pandemic taught you about running a business based on values and vision, not financial gain? And boy, do I ever relate to that.
0: You know what? I thank you for asking that question. It's so important to me is in terms of really inviting people to rethink what a business is and, and what a business can be. It's so easy to absorb this idea that the point of a business is to make money. And that's not what I believe the point of a business is. I believe, like any creative act, we create businesses in order to contribute. And we all have something to contribute. And when we can align our actions, our messaging, our offerings, our pricing with that idea of contribution, it completely changes the, the mentality and, and what's possible. I went to the studio to look around and think, and I went down to the basement to our storage unit where on the wall we had notes from our last team meeting, and we've been dreaming in that last team meeting, but what do we want in the next five years for Firefly? Like what is our dream? What is our vision? And each one none not a single one of them had to do with money. You know, each one of them was we want to offer more bursaries, we want to offer more low-cost workshops to to people who can't afford it. We wanna um, do more partnerships, have more writers and residents. It was this community-based service, vision.
2: Service giving back
0: service. Exactly. In the pandemic, I had gotten obsessed with are we gonna be okay and are we gonna make money and are we gonna be able to pay our rent? And I actually had to turn away from all of that as scary as it was. Turn away from all of that, we started running free workshops for people that were struggling with isolation. We started that morning coffee sessions that you talked about. I ran it as a full rent relief program. So we only took (laughs) enough money to pay our rent and then gave all of the rest to our neighbors and other businesses that were struggling to pay their rent in during the pandemic we just moved entirely into our values and the business grew in incredible ways from there. I so.
2: love that. Oh my God, That makes me want to cry. I love that. I just briefly, cause I know we have to wrap up and I could honestly, you're going to have to come back again because there's so much more to talk about, but you have a dream. You've always had a dream of having a country retreat writing center. And that dream is finally coming to fruition in the future. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Because it just sounds dreamy.
0: Thank you. That sentence, that dream is coming to fruition, is very exciting to hear. I have, from a very young age, wanted to run some kind of country retreat center. And that film school that I talked about at the beginning was definitely a piece of that, that creating in a beautiful, intentional environment is is different than creating at home in front of our computers or in the city. Um, So we made the very hard and yet ultimately, I think, good decision to close our Toronto studio. We can't use it anyway, and it, it hasn't it's not the ultimate of what we're looking for. And then in the next couple of years, next hopefully one to two years, we are hoping to open up. We're calling it the Firefly Farmhouse, a beautiful retreat space with little cabins in the woods and, a, you know, big harvest table with string lights and crickets in the air and uh, to turn that into a full time retreat center uh, in 2023.
2: I hope I get to come there someday. Oh, now, please, please come. come. You're invited. <laughs> Definitely. That sounds so wonderful. What is bliss for Chris K. Fraser?
0: Oh, what is bliss? The first thing that comes to mind is my dog. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. Bliss would be a whole afternoon with no plans, a stack of books that I can't wait to read my dog somewhere out in the country with beautiful fields and trees outside the window and tea and naps. That's my bliss.
2: That sounds lovely. And that sounds like it was spoken by a writer. (laughs) So perfect. (laughs) That just sounds like sheer bliss. Thank you for that. I want to thank you so much, Chris, for being here today. What is the best way for people to connect with you at Firefly Creative Writing, to follow you on social media, et cetera?
0: Our website is fireflycreativewriting.com. That's where all the courses and programs that we've talked about are, as well as a place to apply for our bursary program. There's lots of free resources, video writing prompts, all kinds of stuff. Um, we are on social media as Firefly Creative Writing on Instagram, Facebook, and, um, Twitter. And yeah, I think that's it.
2: That's so awesome. I really meant it. I'd love you when, when, this country retreat, beautiful place is ready to go. I'd love you to come back and tell us more about it and, mm. uh, and, and, and connect with us again. I, I, I literally have another hundred questions. I'm here but... for it. <laughs> it's a date. It's a date. All right. We got it. Thank you so much. It's really been an absolute honor and pleasure to have you here. We're going to go on a short commercial break more with Finding Your Bliss when we come back, back in a moment.
3: Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together.
2: We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7, and we're joined by our next guest, author Sharon Nice arbus After working as a copywriter in the advertising industry, as Sharon describes it, she decided it was time for a particular story to leave her mind and land instead on the blank pages in front of her. The result was her debut novel, Me and My So-Called Friends, which was written over a nine-month period in a local Toronto coffee shop. A favorite among the middle school crowd, including the parental units as well, the book stirred up so many crucial conversations, which led to her producing a teacher's manual called Brave the Waves, a program for building resiliency. Get Up is Sharon's second book, and it contains a collection of short stories that explore unforgettable life lessons, and each tale is perfectly paired by a physical exercise followed by a few words of advice from a collection of mentors that have really made an impact on her world. She also writes blogs and self-care tips and insanely simple recipes and so much more. What does she do when she's not tip-tapping on her keyboard Well, she loves eating her homemade almond butter and drinking the very best coffee she can find, taking care of herself and spending time with those that matter? a graduate of Concordia University's Communication Studies program, where Sharon found her writing voice and she then continued on to Algonquin College's advertising program, which really showed her that she could handle pressure and deadlines too. Sharon Neese Arbus has opened up her vault of juicy gut-wrenching and humorous experiences from her life and from her imagination. Each story can be related to any teen all across the globe with a nod, a smile and an appreciation of what resiliency really is. Most importantly, each tale is topped off with a lesson that demonstrates how you can get up and you can get through whatever faces you, and even become stronger from the process. David Newton has created perfectly paired exercises that follow Sharon Neese Arbus stories, and mentors from around the globe have shared a personal lesson, a mantra, or a quote that their teenage self would appreciate hearing, and so will you. Each chapter also has a special space to reflect and connect to one's own thoughts. Get Up was created especially for all human beings, recommended for ages 11 and up. So 11 to 100, I like to call this book. It really is fabulous for everyone. Sharon was born in Montreal and is presently living in Toronto with her husband, Gordy, and their three children, Josh, Adam, and Olivia. Sharon, welcome back to Finding Your Bliss and congrats on this wonderful new book, Get Up, your second book.
1: Thank you. I'm really excited to be here today. I know that Get Up was
2: really your brainchild. What motivated and inspired you to write this new book, Get Up, which I absolutely devoured in one sitting? It's so that kind of-
1: Thank you. And I have to say, it really wasn't my brainchild. So what happened was um Lisa Borden from Borden Communications um, was a huge fan of my first book, Me and My So-Called Friends. And we were talking one day and I said, you know, I really love reaching out to this demographic of middle school kids because there are, there's so much change. Like when you graduate from like grade six or grade five and you go to, to grade eight, I mean, from that time... Your body's changing. The academics is really hard. Your you know, social calendar is filled. The extracurriculars, responsibilities. There's just so much happening and so many questions. It's an exciting time, but also a very challenging and scary time, too. So I like to write to them to let them know that you're going to be okay. So because of my desire to write to this demographic, she decided or she came up with the idea of why don't you write a second book? And why don't you write it with David Newton? Because he would like to, you know, read to that demographic too. And we didn't know where this book was going. And I'll tell you one thing. From the day we started to the day we ended, the direction of our progress was not linear. <laughs> At all. And if anyone tells you that writing a book is linear, is lying. It <laughs> went in this direction and that direction. And the beauty of the three of us working together was that we were accepting our flaws and, you know, welcoming our strengths. And we just dealt with every hurdle that came to us and questioned it and worked with it. And it was a great journey.
2: Isn't that fun? That's so great. It's not just the end result, but the actual journey was a wonderful process for you. So this collaboration was very special with Lisa Borden and David Newton. And the book was also published by Lisa Borden. So congrats to all of you. Thank you. And what has been the reaction so far, Sharon, to the book? And what would you like to see happen?
1: Well, I really want to see families reading it together um, because, you know, one of the amazing parts of the book and and you're a part of it is that we asked over 60 people who are the older generation who have wisdom, who have experience, who have been through it all, um, to answer the question, what would you say to your teenage self? And when you read the stories with your child or anyone who's younger, uh, it doesn't have to be your child. It can be a friend or a relative. You have different perspectives, and it just, it begins a great conversation. So, I what I want are families and people of all ages to read really together. And what have people been saying? They say it's relatable. Um, they can really, you know, hear my voice when I'm just like writing a story. Um, they just. They get it. And what's really amazing is everybody has their favorite chapter. So, you know, there are 30 chapters in there. And my goal is for one of them to be relatable to somebody. So, but I have to say, I do have a favorite chapter.
2: Do you know what it is? Yes, of course.
1: (laughs) It's chapter 11 and it deals with mood swinging. And, you know, it tells a story of when I worked in a drugstore and I had my period. And at the time, my mood was off. It used to didn't want to be around me at the time. But I had a great boss. And she said, it was the 80s, she said to all the girls who worked in cosmetics, you have your period, go to the closet. The closet was a room that you organized hair color. And you got to still do your job, but you were alone. And I just really appreciated that because... Nice. I took that knowledge with me with my daughter. She'll kill me. (laughs) But when she has a period, go to your room, close the door, and deal with it. It's okay. Here's your chocolate, but (laughs) you can do it alone. And it's okay.
2: Yes. Isn't that great? That That is a great story. I love it. What I love about the book is that it, you can read it in chunks.
1: Yes. And
2: I read it in one sitting, but then I'll go back and I, I have it on my bedside and I'll go back and I'll look at different chunks of it and I'll reread something. And sometimes you read something again and it, it's like you're reading it for the first time because you see it from a different perspective. And that's what I love about it. It's sort of like a user friendly book that just speaks to you in a different way whenever you read it. That, that's what I love about it. It's digestible. It's usable. It's, it's helpful. And that, and we all need stuff like that, right? We all, we all, we all need that kind of stuff. And when, when asked if you could have written get up on your own, you said, not a chance. What is the purpose of having exercises in get up? Cause you did this with, along with David Newton, yeah. who was a guest on, on a, a previous show of ours. And, and he did an accompanying exercise for each one of your chapters, uh, as it were. What was the reason for
1: that? You know, when you're, you're full of sadness, anger, happiness, whatever emotion, it makes you want to get up and move. Or it also makes you want to get up and breathe and maybe do some meditation or just some stillness and some visualization So they're not all like get up and run around the corner. Like they're not all like that. Uh He paired them like perfectly to go with the story. So it makes the story also even more meaningful, too. That's great. You met
2: him over a flip phone at an exercise
1: class many
2: years ago at Mayfair. What happened? A flip phone? I haven't heard that word in so long.
1: (laughs) I know. It was so long ago. So I used to be a member of Mayfair. I loved taking his spinning classes. And those were the days where everyone had a flip phone. There was was no uh, social media. Just a flip phone. So I'm not really great with technology. Not much has changed, actually. So I <laughs> didn't know how to turn off my phone and it was beeping. And I was in class and he just said, What is that noise? Somebody make it stop. And I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. So when I we met him again in Lisa's office, it was like, you remember me with the annoying phone? Like me. I don't remember, but it sounds like me. Okay.
2: Therein began the beginning of a wonderful working relationship. That's such a great story. Who knew? Who knew? Exactly. Exactly. Those are the best stories of all. You love blogging and sharing self-care tips. And your website, really, I mentioned this before, but it's a wonderful place to roam and spend some time with a myriad of all the wonderful things that you're creating. Tell me what you love about blogging.
1: Um, It's a very easy way to just set free on my keyboard. Um, like I, I also do about twice a month, really, really, really easy recipes because, you know, let's face it. I am not a cook, you know, I manage, I mean, all my three kids are in university right now. And I think I did a pretty good job. They all kind of grew to a nice height and they all nice and healthy, (laughs) but like, Uh you know, am I, you know, a culinary expert? No way. But I'm always looking for fast, easy, nutritious, tasty recipes that I want to share. I love finding products that I think that the world should know about, and I don't get paid for them. Um, I just love to sharing new exercises, different tips, experience I've been on Um, during COVID when we were, you know, really secluded and we couldn't go out only for emergencies. I started getting creative. Like what can I do at home that's kind of fun and challenging? So I started like making Reese Witherspoon's green smoothie just because, and I wanted to know how I felt afterwards. Well, what
2: are some of the ingredients in Reese Witherspoon's green smoothie? I have to
1: be honest with you, it wasn't that great. She oh. loved it like this is the best thing. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I, I did write about it, and I really didn't like it. That it had like romaine lettuce in it and just different. I tried it because I wanted to see well, I feel different after five days and. I didn't. But it was a fun experiment because I was controlling, you know, I was doing what I could while we were
2: in quarantine. Of course. And you tried try to find the positive and make good things happen. Try to happen. find the
1: positive. Exactly. So
2: Sharon, as you've just heard on this show, we had on um, Chris from Firefly Books and talking all about the wonderful writing work, everything from, you know, beginner writers to advanced writers to the group writing classes. So fabulous. And really, I know you as a writer. That's how we first met. When did you first know that you wanted to be a writer?
1: That's an excellent question. Um, I think it goes back to my days at Concordia, where I took a scriptwriting course and I had no idea what I was getting myself into and then it just happened naturally. So my teacher Michael Donovan said, "You've really got something here and I just went with it. And I also really loved capturing people's attention with words. Like I can't sing or dance. <laughs> 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 but I can write. And if I can write something that makes people go, wow, that's really cool. And almost like it gets, it's very exciting. So I had a very short stint in the advertising industry. Um, and it just, the environment really wasn't for me. So after I had Josh, I still wanted to write. So I began to write my first book when he was in preschool. Actually, I would drop him off at Holy Blossom. Wow. And I go into the village and I actually go to the second cup and now we sit for two or three hours and I'd write and it was great. And and the product
2: of that was me and my so-called friends, Uh which is a wonderful book. Tell us about your first book because I remember really loving it and I can picture it. It has a black cover. I have it somewhere in my library here and it's a wonderful book still available everywhere. Me and my so-called friends. Tell us about that book.
1: It's about a 15-year-old girl who goes through a challenging year with friends and school and goals and how she gets through it.
2: So great. And it became more, the, the book, Me and My So-Called Friends, actually became a springboard for creating Brave the Waves, which is a program that builds resiliency. So
1: I worked with a um, Ontario certified teacher, because I'm not a teacher, um, but we worked together and she created Brave the Waves, which is, 10 lessons that pull out themes from the book. And some are most of them are hands on lessons.
2: That's so cool. I, I love that you experienced so many different writing jobs It really brought you to where you are now and how all of these different threads have come together. I also love your take on motivation versus discipline. Can you tell us more about that concept?
1: Well, I believe that there are two very, very different words. Um, For example, exercise. People would say, I'm just not motivated to exercise. Like in my mind, it's all about discipline. Like if you made a commitment to yourself that you're going to exercise three times a week, you mark it in your calendar like an appointment. It's for you, it's self-care. And even if you don't want to do it, I promise you (laughs) after you exercise, you won't regret it. Just even for half an hour, right. just to do something, and that is discipline in your mind.
2: Yes, that's so smart. I'll tell you something interesting, Sharon. As as you, uh, some of our listeners know, I had a, an accident recently on my hand, and I'm going to be dealing with it for about a year. Won't go into the whole thing, but surgery, all kinds of stuff, and so I can't do regular exercise. And I've even been—it's even been suggested that I knock walk outside right now because if I fall, it could not be a good situation. So what I've been doing is wearing this Fitbit. And I've been walking 10,000 steps a day in my house and I just walk around and around and around while I'm working, while I'm on the phone, whatever I'm doing, listening to music, listening to a podcast. And I, and I do 10,000 steps. You've actually been one of the motivators to me of, of how to stay on track, because I, I think you wrote about that in our magazine. And I've seen you write about this, you know, on your Instagram and in your in your social media. So it's it actually has really resonated. We have a few things in common. Our sons are very good friends. Yeah, you're a coffee lover and I love coffee, too. And you said somewhere that you drink the best coffee you can find. Can you tell us tell us more about your love of coffee? I stick with the same <laughs> one all the time.
1: Okay, so I love Kicking Horse, mm. I, uh, Grizzly Claw, I think, and I've just discovered Del Mello, uh, Dead Man Walking. Ooh. Really weird name, but <laughs> somebody introduced me, and it is delicious. <laughs> I just love coffee, and it was one of my silver linings where I used to wake up every morning during the the deep, you know, time of the pandemic when we're really. Um, closed off and like, good to have my coffee in the morning. (laughs) Try to really appreciate it. And I still have, I mean, we're, you know, we're stage four right now, Uh, but I still love my coffee in the morning. It just gets me going and it's delicious. And I love celebrating it.
2: That's so great. That's being mindful. You're doing a very big part of what we talk about on the show, which is mindfulness. and. Really, it's just exactly what you just said. Just enjoying that steaming hot cup of coffee first thing in the morning oh and my just God. Being, happiness. Yeah, total. I so get that because I, I so am, so um, Absolutely. So I love the mentors memo section in the book and you mentioned it earlier in this show and I was so honored and thank you so much publicly for you asking me to be included as one of the mentors and you asked this wonderful question. I want to ask all of our listeners this question which is what advice you'd give to your teenage self and I want to share with our listeners what I said in the book which was enjoy life and don't worry so much. 99% of what we worry about never happens so try to live in the present moment as much as possible, not worrying about what has just happened or what's about to happen. Everything has a way of falling into place, especially when you replace worry with feelings of calm and trust, and know that where you are right now is exactly where you need to be.
3: Oh that's <laughs> Thank
1: amazing. you. I I Thank the you, Caroline. Exactly where you're supposed to be. Oh, isn't it, amazing. True? isn't
2: it so true? Like like wherever you are, wherever you go, there you are by John Kabat-Zinn. And it's just, you are where you need to be right now. And all the rest will fall into place. Mm-hmm. And Do you have another favorite of the mentor memos that sort of resonated with you?
1: Yeah. Um, actually, can I share mine?
2: Of course. Which I'd is, love to hear it. it's
1: a little weird. I mean, not weird, but like it's just different. So no matter how much I needed this book when I was young, it was not meant for me. I needed to tell my stories here and now instead.
2: Ah, love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Uh, that's so nice. That's so true, isn't it? It is true. It's not
1: meant for me. It wasn't meant for me. And I'm okay with that. <laughs>
2: that's so cool. That's really, really so cool. What is the biggest takeaway that you'd love to leave people with after reading your latest book, Get Up?
1: Oh, you know, I, I would have to take um, a, almost like a summary of all the mentors. And that is um, just don't think about what other people are thinking. It's wasted energy and time. Be yourself. Find your true calling. Um, and for me, it's listen to your gut what really brings you happiness.
2: So many gems and wonderful things in this book. I know you have some other exciting projects coming up. What is next for you?
1: Um, well, I'm writing a third book and I've been working on this book since January. So I'm really enjoying the process again. I just
2: really love writing Great for you. What is your process? How do you get it done? A lot of people, you know, a lot of people say, I want to write a book. Yeah, or, but saying you want to write a book and doing it are two very different things. Absolutely. And right? I have
1: to tell you that um, it's not uh, its not as easy as, as it looks to write a book, but it's a process. And what you need is patience and a schedule. And I'm not alone because I actually went online to see like Judy Blue. Do you write all day or, you know, <laughs> it's maybe half a day? And it turns out she writes in the mornings and that's about it. Stephen King also gets up at 7.30, walks his dog, writes until lunchtime. That's it. When
2: is your your favorite time of day to write?
1: Um, Morning or it doesn't really matter. I sit it in. I look at my week and I block off two hours when I'm going to be writing. And then I go into my living room. Used to be the coffee shop and no longer, obviously. And I sit on my grandmother's couch I don't know what kind of vibes come through my grandmother's couch. It's magical. And I just sit there and it comes out. I don't know something about my grandmother's couch. And Lovely. I read about it for two hours. And that's the first draft. And then I go back and I sculpt it and I polish it. And that's the fun part. Wow! So that's my process. And I don't write every day. I can't. Uh, three to four times a week for two hours at a time.
2: Isn't that wonderful? So good to know. What is bliss for Sharon Nees Arvis?
1: Oh, my family, coffee, sweating, <laughs> exercise. <laughs> I love sweating. I just, just so therapeutic and detoxifying. And and talk talking to great people like you, being around great people, kind people, good listeners. That's that's bliss for me.
2: Thank you, Sharon. I think that's bliss for me too. And it's so nice. It's so nice to have you here. It's so nice to have had this one-on-one time. Me too. I'm going to invite you back now for when the third book is ready. Let's do it again. And I'm okay. so excited now because it, it it sounds so fantastic. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media?
1: Well, uh, my Instagram handle is Sharon Nies Arbis. Um, Sharon, N-E-I-S-S-A-R-B-E-S-S. I'm on LinkedIn, Sharon Nice. Facebook, Sharon Nice. That's it. And your
2: website if people want to want to go on your website and connect with all the other wonderful things you're doing? com. Awesome. Love that. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. It really was fun. We usually talk very quickly because we're both so busy. So it's kind of nice just to catch up and and talk from the air. I loved it. I want to thank you so much. Continued success with your fabulous new book, Get Up. Everyone go out and get up and get the book, Get Up. It's fabulous. And and wishing you much uh, continued success on all of your upcoming projects.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
2: We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss when we come back, back in a moment. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740. And our featured artist this week is songwriter and performer Phil McGovern. Phil originally hails from Ireland, and he's made his home in Canada for more than 40 years. His Irish roots are strong in his music, and he's performed for years as a solo artist and in small ensembles. Having composed many songs describing his homeland of County Tyrone in Ireland, he is also deeply inspired by the profound beauty, diversity, and wonder of the Canadian landscape and peoples. As a vocalist, Phil McGovern was mentored by Rosemary Burns, a solid finger picker and strummer in his own right. Many heavy hitting performers have also added their talents to his recording sessions, including Dennis Pendrith, Bruce Coburn, Marie McLaughlin, Doug Johnston, Terry Clements, Barry Keane, Gordon Lightfoot, Hurricane Mike Thompson, Shania Twain, and Al Briscoe, Chris Christofferson, Frank Zappa, and Tommy Hunter. Phil has performed many diverse engagements that include two performances for Cardinal Carter and family, guesting with people like Barbara Hamilton, The Milestones, The Foggy Duo, CFTO TV, and he's been a regular performer on many Canada Day parades in the Newmarket, Aurora area of Ontario. He has performed internationally in countries including Australia, Ireland, and the US. And today, Bill is sharing his beautiful song, See You When I Get There. Let's have a listen. Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Each week, we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. And if you're an author, artist, writer, or anyone who has found their bliss, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at FYB at findingyourbliss.com. And of course, you can follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank our guests Chris K. Fraser, Sharon Nice arbus and Phil McGovern for being here today. Thank you as well to Meg Ruffman, producer Siobhan Kylie, senior editor Haley Allegia, editorial assistant Lauren Kaminsky, and audio producer Faz Causey. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Lee Brack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss.